series on relationships. I think this is like part seven or something like that. We're going to be taking a week off next week because of the baptism, and then we'll see where we go from there. But uh, we've looked at a number of things when it comes to relationships, and you can find some of that stuff online. We started off at the beginning talking about uh, the what, the, 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 some of the things that are the what about our relationships, like the tension, the tension between what we read in the Bible, which we say, well, that's really ideal. You know, God, the way you describe family looks nothing like my family. Uh, and so we saw that there's a tension between what's, what's ideal and what's really real. We talked about the gap, the, an, another part of the what, the gap that's between us, and that kind of just, it, the, the gap grows without us even trying. Husbands and wives, you'll drift apart without you even trying. Friendships drift apart without us even trying. Parents and kids, you drift apart without even trying. Uh, and so we talked in that uh, one session about how to close that gap, and it was pretty, it wasn't that difficult. And we talked over the, a bunch of the things about uh, more things about the how, things we can do, dealing with the cause of conflict. We talked about not judging others, uh, not judging them by their motives. We don't know what they're thinking. Uh, and then we talked um, about that powerful little word, word called forgiveness, uh, just how incredible it is when we can say those words, I forgive you. And so tonight, uh, I, I, we've talked about the what and the how. I want to talk about the why. Why should you even bother working on um, you know, or caring about your future relationships. And today, um, today's sort of, it's very loosely inspired by um, a, a session from Andy Stanley's um, Future Family series. But the Future Family series, I've listened to the whole thing. And so I just want to put the website up here so you guys have it. If you have a chance, just jot it down. There's some really amazing stuff on this series that we're not going to be talking about. Um, there's some things on parenting. I have not parented long enough to be able to give anyone advice on that. But he's had like double the time. And so if you're parenting and you have teenagers and you're like, what do I do? Session four or session five on there would be awesome. If you've got broken relationships where, you know, you don't even talk to family members at all anymore. Session four talks a, uh, talks a lot about that and would be really um, amazing uh, for you to, to check out. Session six was called The Echo, and you can listen to it. Uh, the, tonight, what we're talking about, it's kind of kind of uh, based a little bit on that, mo- mostly just the title. But again, some great, great stuff there. If you think tonight kind of grabs your heart a little bit, I'd, I'd encourage you to listen to that part as well. So for some tonight, you're just like, there's this, the motivation to actually do something about your relationships is, is not always there. Sometimes, you, you know, you look at... at um, you know, your relationships, and you have this attitude of, you know, I'm fine. We're, we're fine. You, you know, we, I'm happy with where things are at in my relationships. We're just kind of content, and we feel like I don't need to really work on anything. So all that stuff you talked about, yeah, that's good for those other people, but I don't know if it's for me. For some, you know, it's, um, you've given up hope. You're like, you know what, there is no hope for my marriage. There's no hope for me to ever be, you know, to see my kids again. There's just no hope. For some, you, you, you feel like you don't even care. He's like, you know what, that person, I just wrote them off. I don't really care anymore if that relationship is restored. And for some, you're just simply unaware of why working on relationships actually matters. So, but it matters. Working on our relationships is, is so important. Uh, I took Beth to the falls last week. Actually, I think she took me to the falls last week. She asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I was like, I don't want stuff. I just want to go away with you for, you know, overnight and sleep. And, and she's like, oh, sure, you want to sleep. But that's what I did. I went and I slept. She took video footage of me snoring, and it was awesome. Uh, you know, when you have four kids, that's what you really want is 
sleep. So it was, it was pretty great. But we were, when we were there, um, we went on Sunday night, and we hung out, had great dinner, and then we went down to the falls, and they had fireworks at, at, you know, at 10 o'clock. And so we were actually sitting there to listen to a live band, and then the fireworks started going off, and it was like, I didn't take this picture, but it was, it wasn't even, it was better than this. And as I'm, we're sitting there listening to it, uh, it was interesting because we've always watched the fireworks from way down the river. And this time we watched them closer to the falls and we noticed something. As we heard them, the fireworks go off, we could see them to our left. We could hear to our right a couple seconds later, the, the, the booms and the cracks from the, from the fireworks. You could hear the echo of it coming out of the, the Canadian bowl part of the fireworks. It was like, wow, it was different sound, but it was, it was really cool. The same pattern. It wasn't quite as loud, but you recognize every time. You'd hear the bang, 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 and you'd hear boom, boom, boom coming out later. I was like, you know, it was, it was just a neat, neat experience. But as I thought about the echo and I thought about some of the things that we were um, thinking about tonight, I started thinking about one of my all-time favorite movies. And one of the quotes from one of my all-time, all-time favorite movies is, it's Gladiator, don't judge me, but, the, you know, his, his, yeah, that's it. The quote for, from this movie was, what we do in life echoes in eternity. When I was on the Facebook, I had that as my statement in there. You know, the, uh, what we do in life echoes in eternity. And for some of you, you're like, you know, I don't know if I really believe in the whole eternity thing, you know. For me, we're, we're just here, and, you know, there's not, I don't know if I really believe in the afterlife. It's just me. It's my life. So, you know, there's nothing after this. So what does it really, so what does it really matter if what I do in life echoes in the eternity that I don't even know exists? I wish that he had said this line because it's even more powerful, and it's this. What we do in life echoes in the next generation. What we do in life echoes in the next generation. One of the reasons why we need to be uh, 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 concerned at all about our current relationships is that what we do in these ones echoes in the next generation. And when we think about our relationships and family, we tend to think about right now. So if I ask you, you know, who are your friends? And, you know, you're not going to say, well, my BFF is like Courtney from kindergarten if you're like 40 because you probably don't even see Courtney from kindergarten anymore. That was your best friend then, but you're going to describe and you're going to name the friends that you have Right now, uh, if I ask you who your family is right now, you're, gonna, you're probably going to mention your spouse and your children. If you ask me, that's who I would mention. Maybe you're a child, a teenager, so you'll probably you know, mention your siblings and your parents. And that's kind of how you would describe your family. But we talk about this idea of now. So most of you, if I said, hey, who's your family? You're probably not going to start with great-great-grandpappy Cletus on your you know, mom's side, right? That's not where you're, where you're going to start. Though what's interesting is that when we sent these around last week, some of you decided to write your family trees on here. We only wanted to know the people who actually attend here that, that, you know, uh, that uh, are related to you. So just uh, for future reference and filling that out later, uh, some wrote down their, their whole family tree, which is not what most people would describe as their family when you ask them. But the truth is that's what we all have. We all have a family tree and hopefully yours has more than one branch. Um, so, you know, we, we um, as a, as a people as a group, we're here. We exist because of them, because of the people that went before us. Maybe you can't go that far back, but because of them, we're here. You know, it's that, that saying, you know, when a daddy and a mommy really love each other, you know, then that's the reason that you uh, arrived. That's a different message, but that, that theory, we know that because they were there is the reason why we're here, but one thing we don't often think about is who we are as people, is partly because of who they were. Part of who we are, and I say partly because, you know, sometimes people want to blame their parents for everything wrong in their life. That's not the whole case, but partly 
partly. There's generational things that happen. You know, for instance, being really, really ridiculously good-looking runs in my family. It's, it's actually on Beth's side. So, but, uh, but things run in our families. And, you know, when we have pre-marriage counseling and I talk to people who want to get married and they're so in love, I ask them, have you, in, have you checked out their family tree? And, and, and found out what's, what's been growing on their family tree. Is there any kind of things like addiction? You know, were they a family of faith? Do they struggle with depression? What kind of things are in that family tree? Because what's very crazy or, to, to, or interesting to study is that for families that have addictions in their family trees, it's eight times more likely that those kids are going to struggle with addictions just because of who their parents were. Um, you know, if, the, if they're parents of, of faith, it's interesting when you think about and read the statistics that if both parents, mom and dad, both attend church faithfully, they obviously sincerely care about faith, 72% of their children are likely to attend church. If it's just dad, 55% are going to um, be a part of that. If it's only mom, it drops down to 15%. Shows how powerful it is when dad goes to church. So all you dads here tonight, right on. When parents don't go at all, 6%. And some of you are part of that 6%. You're like, yeah, I'm the first one in my family who's uh, following Jesus Christ. I heard a quote. I don't know who said it, but they said, you know, what walks in the fathers runs in the children. So the things that the fathers do, things that the, so the parents do, it, it oftentimes carries down into the, to the kids. And like I said, partly, that's partly um, who we are. And just as that family tree of people the people who've gone before us, they affected us in a certain way. We are affecting the next generation that's not even here yet, whether we're intentional about it or not. If we're thinking about the fact that we're doing that or not, it's happening. So my challenge for us tonight is that we would become intentional about the next generation as, uh, as people, as families, as a church. Um, and what I'm, you know, asking yourselves this question, what am I unintentionally doing right now? Um, that's building a negative le- legacy. What am I unintentionally doing right now that's actually building a negative, uh, a negative legacy uh, to follow me? And to ask this question, what am I intentionally doing right now to build a positive legacy? Yeah, you're like, man, I, I was like, I didn't think I was going to actually have to think about stuff tonight. You know, what am I? I'm not just saying, hey, here's some questions, but to ask them, what, what am I unintentionally doing uh, in the way I parent, in the way that I, that I treat relationships? What am I doing that I don't even, I'm not really even thinking about, but it could be creating a negative uh, legacy. Matthew chapter 23, as I read this in my devotions this, this week, um, in, in uh, verses 1 to 3, Jesus said to the crowds, he's hanging out, uh, and he always had these run-ins with the Pharisees, who were like the religious leaders. He had a run-in with them again, and so he said to his crowds and his disciples, hey, you see those guys? The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, they're the official interpreters of the law of Moses. They, they study the Bible. They know what they're, what they're reading. But he says to them, he says to them, practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. Jesus is, is giving that famous line, you know, to, to do as they say, but don't do as they do. Do as they say, don't do as they do. And many of you know that saying. You know, you've probably heard it before where somebody, maybe a parent's like, do as I say, not as I do. And I found out you can get a mug. Maybe you've seen it on a mug. Maybe you want to buy this mug for your, for your kids, right? But, you know, the, the idea of do as I say, not as I do. But the problem is most of our kids don't drink coffee. And so they don't actually follow this advice of doing what we say and not what we do. 
they actually do what we do. And they learn, and you see, it as, as you grow up and as you see, see your kids getting older, you look at them, you're like, wait a second, that's like little me. This is, sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes it's not. Um, you know, I was thinking about that, because I thought, you know, I could talk about my parents and, and what I remember about them, but they're here. So I'm actually going to talk about my, my, my own kids. And as I was thinking about this with my kids, and, and they, them doing, um, rather, than, rather than doing what I say, uh, them doing what I do would be that conversations like this, you know, well, Dad, you're not wearing a bike helmet. And I'm like, yeah, but you have to wear one. Why, Dad? You're not wearing, like, because I said so, right? And then, you know, they'd be fighting, and, and I'd come in and be like, no yelling at your brothers! Do you hear me? And like, yeah, Dad, you're yelling at us, right? Uh, and, and thinking, you know, I, I hear them yell at each other, and I'm like, no, 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 they're picking that up from me. I think about some of the things, you know, like don't throw the Xbox controller when you lose. (laughs) Do as I say, son. Those are expensive. But I remember what my parents did, because not all of it's negative. Some of the things, some of the great stories of faith that I remember from my my growing up, and I remember some of the things my my parents did. The importance of growing in Christ for my parents was a was a huge a, a huge deal. Um, it wasn't just we went to church. It was we want to grow in in knowing Christ at every level. Uh, I remember praying together. I remember sitting with my dad on uh, on our bed, and sometimes it was you know from pictures, but the, there would be these times of praying together. I remember him teaching me songs. Um, teaching me songs. Maybe that's where it all started. And I'd sing these songs, and they were, you know, the words of the songs would make me, you know, cry sometimes because it would grab my heart, but it made me sensitive to, um, to the Lord. There was a priority on going to church, especially when we started going from one church to a different one, and we had to attend both. So we had to go at 10 in the morning, at 2 in the afternoon, and at 7 at night, all in the same day. There was like this, we're going to go. And, and I hated it then, but we never missed a week. And, you know, as I started realizing, it was like, you know what? There's something in my life that I have to say uh, thankful for just because I saw them do it. Um, the priority on taking us to youth group, saying, you know what? We want you to be in a spot where you're growing and challenged. And we're like, I don't want to be challenged. I don't want to go. Like, sometimes we're going to make you, and most of the time, we loved it. Um, taking me to an adult Bible study when I was like, you know, 12 or 13, just because I wanted to learn more about the Word. And like, yeah, you know, it might not be as easy for us to explain everything to you, but I'm going to take you along. Encouraging me to go on a missions trip. First time, changed my life. Why? Because there was this genuine, genuine importance on, on growing in Christ. I remember some of the heroic moments. Some of the things that I remember when my, and I've shared the story before, my brother Len, probably, I forget how many years ago it was, but when he, you know, as my, my dad ran into the house one day when we were playing in the basement, he called all the kids up and he just sees, just in the front entrance said, your brother Len, who's four years old, he just got hit by a truck. I don't know if he's alive, but we're going to pray. I'm like, we're going to pray. No, we're not. I'm running out there to find out if he's alive. And dad grabbed me. He's like, no, stay right here. We are going to pray. And we sat down and we prayed together and we cried together. And you know what? I remember that. When we go through difficult things, it's, one, it's that first reaction to me. Why? Because I heard him say it. Hey, you should pray. No, because I saw him do it. I remember when Lincoln ended up in the hospital and Beth and I, we experienced those same tough things. It's those things that come back. And you're like, yeah, it, I don't, we didn't sit there and go, hmm, I wonder what would dad would do. It just is automatic automatic. Why? Because it was, it was put 
out there, and what they were shouting begins to echo, not as loud, not at the same sound, but begins to echo in the next generation. I remember them facing ridicule from their families and from church for leaving, you know, a, a church congregation to go somewhere just to say, we want our kids to grow in the Lord. We want to grow in the Lord. He's real. Jesus is alive. We're not going to spend any more time, you know, in a place that doesn't, that, that doesn't realize that we're going to go. And facing all of that and realizing, you know what, didn't matter that the cause of Christ matters. I remember my dad telling me about his dad singing songs around, singing hymns, I think, around the kitchen table after dinner, right? Like singing. I'm so thankful he didn't bring that to our family, the idea of singing hymns. But, but, but this thing of singing these words, and you know why? Because in my grandparents' generation, it mattered. And that echoed in my parents' generation. It echoes in my generation. And I wanted to echo in the next generation. There's lots of examples in the Bible as well where you see what the, what the one generation did, that it, that it echoes in the next generation. Joseph, for instance, the story of Joseph, if you want to hear it, you can hear Andy share the whole thing. But Joseph, um, for those of you, you know, famous stories of Joseph in the Bible, he's at the spot where his brothers who sold him as a slave, uh, he finally has the chance for retribution. They come before him and they're bowing on their faces before him and he has all power to end their lives. He's the second most powerful man in the world. And it says that he, he doesn't. He spares their lives. And you think, man, Joseph, how could you, you know, like, how could you, he's just some, some amazing man. But if you read back into his history, you'll see that Joseph was actually a little boy when his own father um, had to go before his brother. His own father, Jacob, ended up before his brother Esau, also deserving to die. And Esau said, you know what? <laughs> Jacob, you're my brother. I'm not going to kill you. Though you deserve it for everything you stole from me, you deserve to die. He watched forgiveness happen. And it says, you know, you see him, you see the echo happen in his life. Timothy, when you read about Timothy in the New Testament, Paul says, Timothy, you've got sincere faith in you. And guess where it came from? It used to be in your grandma, Lois, and then it was in your mom, Eunice, and now that echo is in you, and he says, and challenging them to, do, to, to, to continue to spread that. You read through the book of Kings, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, you read king after king, you'll, you'll read one sentence over and over and over again. It says that that king was born, and they did, either they did what their father did, or they walked in the same steps as their father. What is that? It's the echo. Some were awesome, and they said they served the Lord like their dad. Others... They were as evil as possible because the echo happens in both ways. I want to share this thought with you tonight. Joshua, after they had conquered the land of, of what was now Israel, he gathered all the leaders together and he said, guys, I, I, this thing, that this, famous, this famous quote, he gathered them all together and he said this to them. He says, choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? He basically says to them, I want you guys to choose today who you're going to serve, the gods who did nothing for you or the God who did miracles, and choose. And the same thought is for us tonight, this idea of choose. Decide who you're going to live for because it matters. Some of these things that we don't always think about is, is this thought of, I actually just got to think, think about it, to choose, not cruise. You know, I'll, I'll just see how life goes is what most people do. Most Christians, it's the same thing. They've never really said, you know, I'm so sold out and committed to Christ. You know, you know when you find that out is when all of a sudden bad stuff happens in their life. And they're really to turn on God as if he's some bad person out there. Yeah, you know, I don't care if you sent Jesus to die for me. How could you do this to me? Don't you know I'm going through so much? And here you're laying all this, you know, other stuff. You took my grandma. You took whatever. And we begin to turn on 
and drift away from these simple things. A lot of times simply because we didn't choose. We didn't decide. And there's this thing about, you know, indecision. You know, where I'm like, ah, I kind of just going to walk my way through. That will echo in the next generation. This idea of like, I'm not really sure. Indecision, it's a decision. I'll tell you. Um, Beth and I, when we had three, our third child, we thought, you know, are we going to have three or are we going to have four? Three, I don't know. Three's kind of cool. Maybe we'll have four. Don't leave yourself in that spot. We now, <laughs> we now have four. You know, a couple months later, that's all it took. It was like, <gasps> okay, now four or five. No, there's no, there's, there's decisions, right? <laughs> Joshua, back to him. He's more cool. 20, Joshua 24, verse 15, he said to them, choose. Not just choose anytime, choose today. Choose today what you're going to do. Choose today who you're going to live for. No matter what, whatever comes, this is what we are. Because they had battles ahead of them. They had stuff they were still going to have to fight. Were they going to turn away from God? He says, choose today. And then he says to them, I don't know what you guys are going to choose, but as for me, as for me. And maybe you've seen this verse on a mug. You know, this is another one that ends up on a mug all the time. Uh, we, I think we have it. Do we have it? Right there. See, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. This, this thought, you know, it's, as for me, it starts with me. This whole series, we've been talking about this one thing. There's only one person you can change in a relationship. Who is it? Me. Yeah, me. That's the only one we can actually change. It starts with me. And when it comes to this, this idea of choosing who we're going to serve, sometimes we want to let someone else be responsible for the next generation. That's the pastor's job. You know, that's, that's the Sunday school teacher's job. That's, you know, um, uh, church. That's what they're there for. They're supposed to be the ones sounding this thing for our, for our kids. I am a second-generation pastor. My parents were pastors, but they weren't pastors when I was a young child. Everything they did then was this th- thought that brought them probably to the place of, being, uh, of pastoring later. This idea of, as for me, in my house, as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua decided, I'm going to set the culture of my home. This is what it's going to be. I'm choosing today because I know what the echo is going to be. And he intentionally put value on his home. And that's why we've talked tonight about this idea of becoming intentional about the next generation. In our relationships, why does it matter? Because what am I unintentionally doing right now that's building a negative legacy? What's my, the way that I, the, the way that I treat church, the way that I think about God, the way that I talk with my kids about Him in our home, what am I actually building? What have I created um, it to be? And what am I intentionally doing right now? How am I treating my spouse? How am I talking about her to my kids? How am I doing these things um, right now to create a positive legacy? Because it's intentional. We have to decide. We have to choose. You know, as, a, as, a, as I grew up or got older, uh, I've had some of these moments where this, this, this choice becomes really clear. I thought about it a, a while back because I just got really busy with a lot of stuff. Um, and for me, I don't like to do anything half done. If I'm going to do something, it's like going to happen like crazy, right? Um, I started building barrel gardens, these vertical gardens. I started with one, and that was cool, but this year there had to be four. And then I had one rain barrel, but now I have four, and, and I just started collecting barrels again. And I'm like, I can picture me being on like those, those hoarders, you know, those garden hoarders shows where their backyard in town looks like a jungle. I just, it's got to be to the max, but when I started thinking about some of these things, I thought there's certain things I want to be great at. I want to be a great dad. I want to be a great pastor. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great golfer. I want to be a great golf course builder. I want to be a great hockey player. 
I want to be a great gardener. I want to be a great Xbox player. I want to be a great soccer coach. I want to be a great friend. And the list goes on and on and on. But I want to be great at those things. And I realize that sometimes the things, those, and, and you probably have other ones, they, they conflict directly with one another. And they force you to choose. I remember the day that I had to choose between Friday night hockey or my family. I was like, am I going to have a family night, something set aside, or am I going to try and become a great hockey player? And I was like, there could be scouts there. You know, I could be a superstar for the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're there at Church League Hockey. They've got to be sometime, right? And I'm like, I just want to be a great hockey player. But then I had to make that decision, you know, that they're going to just have to find another superstar for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they took Mitch Marner instead of me. But it's, it's, it was this choice to say, you know what? If I got to put hockey, family, I'm going to choose my family, what do I want more? To be a great dad or a great hockey player? And one had to give. Sometimes things are more difficult. Because I've had to wrestle with the things of, do I want to be a great pastor or do I want to be a great husband? And you can be both, but the order's got to be right. What do I want more? I've told Beth this before. I shouldn't tell, well, I, I, that if ever this church became the thing that came between us, I would quit today. Because she's more important. But there's got to be this intentional decision. Because you know what? I wasn't doing it. I was just letting life dictate all of my time and all of my stuff. And I can say that, but <laughs> my wife's been put on the planet to humble me and keep me humble. So you could ask her and she would be like, well, you know, it's, this sounds like a great sermon illustration, but really at home. That's not what this is. This is not like one of those great things because I still got to live it out. And it's that, that idea sometimes, you know, she said at her Bible study, she's doing this Bible study with new, new believers, and they're like, you know, I'm, oh, Kingsway's awesome. And she's like, you know, it's not all about going to church. Oh, and, and Mark's, he's awesome. And you're like, well, you know, there's some things, and, and, and I don't need that. You know, we need that. But there's this idea of being intentional. So as a parent, as a spouse, as a child, whatever it might be, those relationships, we need to be intentional because what we're doing, it echoes to the next generation. And for some of that, I want my kids to know and love the Lord. I want them to grow up to, to, to know Him and, to, and to, uh, to love Him and to serve Him. I think, you know, all of a sudden you think, man, that puts a lot of pressure. And maybe you're a parent and you have children who, uh, you know, you've been raised to the best of your ability and they don't, they don't love the Lord and they don't serve the Lord. And you're like, what did I do wrong or what do I got to do? The pressure's not on us in that way. The pressure's on us to be intentional, but I believe it was Matt Chandler who said this. I might, he says it was, this, it was this humbling reality that happened when I realized I can't save my children unless they have faith in Jesus Christ that's awakened in them by Holy Spirit. I cannot save my children. I cannot determine whether they're going to serve the Lord. But he says, but what I can do, he says, all I want to make sure is I'm not the reason why they don't. I can't put the pressure on me to be the one responsible for my kids serving the Lord, but I do not want to be the reason why they don't. I thought, man, you know what? There's this, there's this thing about being intentional that I want the echo in the next generation to be that thing of, you know what? What dad did, what mom did, what we did in our house, it mattered. And I could stop at that, but I want to take one step further because the story gets really interesting once you finish Joshua and you get to the next book. In Judges chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, Verse 10, it says this, Joshua sent the people away. Each of the tribes, they left to take possession of the land that was given to them. This was right after this little meeting they had. The Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua. 
The Israelites, when they said that day, yes, Joshua, we're going to serve the Lord. He said they served the Lord through the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him, those who had seen, those who saw it. They saw all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. The ones who had experienced it, they kept living for him. And after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge, who did not know the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. And it says in the next verse that they did not serve him. And it says that the echo just went one generation and stopped. I tried to find this verse on a mug. Guess what? It's not there. The next generation decided not to serve the Lord. Drink that in your morning coffee and realize, whoa, that's the one that should be in there. We can even make a mug. <laughs> but think about this. The generation after Joshua's famous speech of, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, he didn't intentionally make sure the next generation knew that they needed to sound it for themselves, that they needed to live out the echo so that it would continue to the next generation. They weren't in, he was intentional about his own home and his own thing that day, but we can see that the echo stopped after one thing. Not that it's a guarantee, but when a whole nation happens, something was missing. It wasn't enough that Joshua had this famous line, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He failed to teach the next generation and give them something to echo. Not just to hear, but something to send out. Not only that they would echo it, but that they would proclaim it. See, because it matters, not just what the next generation experiences, but that the next generation, what they see in us, but what, the, it, what matters is what is instilled in them that becomes the voice that they uh, proclaim that creates the echo in the next generation. See, my grandfather probably, he's not around anymore. He probably wasn't thinking, I'm going to have a grandson preaching someday. Because I'm going to sing hymns around a table with my kids. Dad, you're so uncool. I'm so thankful for him. In this church and in my family and our heart. Because you know what? Family's not just about family. It's about his family. It's this, this thought. I want to see every one of our kids, every one of the next generation have a faith of their own. Every young person, every young boy, young girl that's a part of this family that grows up to have a faith of their own. And kids ministry tonight, you know why they're down there? To help those kids come to a place where they have a faith of their own. They're not babysitting. They're not. And, and I, as a church, are we being intentional enough about reaching that generation? For some, you know, maybe you're here and like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I fit. Oh, man, help us sound that uh, that, that um, proclamation to our kids of, of the goodness of God to, to be able to see and remember, you know, the things to be able to experience this new junior youth ministry that we want to start. Why do we get to do that? Because we want them to have a faith of their own as everything's changing in their lives so quickly that they would realize and discover for themselves. Why are we having small groups? Because we want you to have a faith of your own. So it's not like, oh, I wonder what Mark's going to say. It's, I wonder, God, what do you want to say to me as I study your word? All of this to say this, it's not a guarantee that as we live our lives, it's not a guarantee that if, as we're intentional about the next generation, it's not a guarantee that it's actually going to happen, but it creates the opportunity that if we don't, it doesn't exist. We need to be intentional about who's coming after us because who we are is partly because of who they were. And who the next generation is, is partly going to be who we were. So as Kingsway, as families, as parents, who are we going to be as teens saying, you know what, there's another generation. I'm not going to wait until I'm 20. I'm going to start now. I'm going to start um, making a difference in, in, the, in the ones after me. The choices we, uh, we make affect us 
affect us primarily. Because some of you tonight, you think, man, you know what? I came from a family where my parents made terrible decisions. Am I doomed? No, because the decisions you make can change it all. That's the power of the gospel. The, 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 the opportunity we have in Christ to live differently is amazing. And I want to encourage you to do that. If you feel like you failed, you're like, you know what? My kids and my legacy, I'm a grandparent. My legacy is terrible. There's hope. Just because we fail at things does not make us a failure. And there's the opportunity to share from what we didn't do right to encourage the next generation to live differently. I see so many and I hear so many parents tell me this line and I hate it. They're like, I didn't stay pure as a, as a, in my dating relationship, so I can't expect my kids to. Wrong. Yes, you can. I didn't, you know, I spent my, you know, teen years drinking and doing drugs, so I kind of can't expect that my kids aren't going to want to try it too. Wrong. You can, you can share with them and share with them, you know, the things to say. You can live differently. I want to leave you with this last thought, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, this idea of looking back and looking ahead. It says this, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, and if you read the chapter before this, it mentions all these amazing people of faith who did incredible things, who sounded the thing. Joshua would be probably one of those guys. He says, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. This idea of looking at this cloud of witnesses, it's looking back and realizing as I read these stories of men of faith that I'm inspired that by what, the, what they did and what God did through them, I want something to happen in my generation. And then to also look at it and say, you know what? This cloud of witnesses, I don't know. I can't find anybody else who translated it this way. But as I read it, you know, over the last couple of days, that word, this, cl- this crowd of witnesses, do you realize we have a crowd of witnesses watching us and they're the next generation? Since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, the ones who've gone before and the ones who are coming next, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Let's live our lives on purpose. Let's, um, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, let us run with endurance the race that God set before us. Let's decide we're going all the way with our God. And then in verse 2, it says, we do this, how? By keeping our eyes on Jesus. Always, always coming back to that, to Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarded the shame, and he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. This idea of saying, you know what, I don't know what to do. Get your eyes on Jesus, keep them on Jesus, and go for broke. Live passionately for him no matter what. Tough times come, he's still good. Grab onto his hand and walk on through. Why? Because it's, you've got people watching you. Um, the other night we were sitting around, we were talking, and I was like, we were talking about rebellious kids, and I was like, well, I can see which one of our kids is going to be the one, and Beth was like, no, don't you ever say things about my kids like that. I will not let you speak words of death over them, but speak words of life over them. I'm like, whoa, hon, you know, and I was like, but she's right, and I realized, you know, this is that, the moment where I'm not even going to allow those kind of things, because I want to speak life so that the echo in the next generation, it's going to happen. It's going to echo. You get to decide tonight, today, to choose what that echo is going to sound like. What are you going to prioritize so that that echoes to the next generation? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for the lineup of stories for us to see, to see that it happens and happens and happens. And Holy Spirit, thank you for individual wisdom for each and every one of us to know what that means for us tonight in our families and in uh, in our relationships, in our marriages, and in our parenting. Father, tonight I also pray that you, for the wisdom of, of what it means for us as a church, that we as your family, <laughs> God, to see an echo go through this county, 
to see an echo go through our schools, to see an echo that, that draws people to you. May we live that out. May we sound that loud that people can see you and know and find hope and find your salvation. Father, I love you. Thank you for what you're doing in my life, and thank you for the heritage you've blessed me with. Pray that as we strive and to see that happen from here on in, uh, uh, we thank you for this next generation. We pray for them tonight. We pray for those kids downstairs right now. Holy Spirit, I know there's no junior Holy Spirit. You're speaking to them right now. We pray for the gifts and callings and talents over their lives, that those would be protected and, and that you'd help us to, to uh, encourage that in them. Thank you for that tonight. Lord, we, uh, above all, thank you for sending Jesus for us, for your forgiveness, for your grace, and for freedom. Love you. It's in your name I pray. Amen.